Action Park Media. Holy hypnotherapy. <laughs> yes. Welcome, guys. Welcome to the podcast. You are going to absolutely love this episode. Find a comfy spot. You can listen to it when driving, but we do actually do a hypnotic exercise in this. So uh, if you are driving, I suggest you pause it for that part. It is so beautiful. I learned so much in this. A massive thanks to Beck. She is the clinical hypnotherapist that I'm chatting to. So enjoy. This is Pretty Depressed with Beck. Can you explain what a clinical hypnotherapist is? Because, look, I guess the when anyone says hypnotherapy, the first thing I think of is me clucking on stage with like a stand-up comedic kind of thing. So I'm sure yeah. even in its sure. title, you receive some resistance in some way. So, yeah, can you explain what yes. it is? For sure. And it's funny, I was thinking that this question definitely would come up in the respect of, you know, what we perceive as hypnosis. Um, And sure, don't get me wrong, there is stage hypnosis and that's somebody else doing something else. It's not what I'm doing. The thing is, I guess, one thing to dispel before I explain what a clinical hypnotherapist is, is that you'll never ever do anything outside of your moral compass. So, if you are told to cluck like a chicken, it's simply because you you want to cluck like a chicken, right? Nobody has like power over you or anything to do so. So cool. yeah. Um, but in terms of a clinical hypnotherapist, I work therapeutically with people. So um I trained Kian Christchurch um as yeah, as a, a within yeah, clinical hypnotherapy. But um basically what I'm doing is working with all sorts of different types of I'll work with anything from limiting beliefs so perhaps if there's like repeating patterns um, that are unresourceful and being able to kind of work out where those links come from um, and then reframe them give new perceptions um, and then be able to move forward in a positive more resourceful way Um, along with say working predominantly I work with stress and anxiety so that is my big like must be hard to find clientele of people who are stressed or anxious (laughs) (laughs) that's the thing it's so prevalent in today's society so it's um yeah it's so common and that would be yeah definitely my avenue or my niche of what I work in Mm. um but I was led here through my own journey and I think that that was probably so life-changing and so life-affirming that I was like, oh, wow, I need to do something within the space of the mind-body connection and actually um, support people to to higher ground. That's beautiful. Yeah, yeah and you can dive into that as much or as, as little as you want to. I think it does help, sometimes help people f- understand how you enter into this work because I do know, especially as Kiwis, when we are in that kind of healing space or helping others, it can feel a little imposter syndrome as well, especially if you've gone through your own stuff of like, oh, who am I to, you know, help? How can I help? And so I love that you've taken your own journey and you are being so generous with it to others. Like that's so cool. And thank you for being a voice in this space. But um, yeah, to kind of touch on how you found your way into it through your own journey, did you go through this kind of therapy? Or did you? Uh, in some respect, I did. I, okay. I, there's a couple of different things. I think I was led here. I've been led here my entire life. In fact, 
this work feels so innate and part of me Mm. to like my absolute core that I feel like I've been doing it for lifetimes. Like it's so natural. So um, I was led here through the death of my father and the birth of my daughter, which crossed over really um, in quite a weird way in terms of the time and the date and everything. Um, And that's what kind of turned my world upside down. So I started in the birth space. So I have like a niche within fertility, birth and postpartum. Mm. And it was my birth that was just like the most empowering, life-affirming moment of my life. But I guess on the flip side, I was absolutely rattled when I found out I was pregnant. I was terrified at the thought of birth or anything like that. Um, so I jumped on, like, well, I sat down with a friend and she told me about this book and it was called Hypnobirthing. And I thought it sounded quite, you know, I was curious of the name, um, yeah. put it that way. And then the next thing I was signed into this course, I was 34 weeks pregnant and I literally threw the kitchen sink at it. Like it became a philosophy, not just helpful for labor and birth, but it was like something I could draw from for like everyday living in the terms of stress and anxieties and things like that. So, um, and can I zoom yeah. in just for people who may be uh, unaware and my limited knowledge mm. around it, when you say hypnobirth, is it almost like a meditation, a mantra, a oh. self like yeah what yeah true very yeah good question so hypnobirthing is basically I mean so I teach it and my approach is reframing the paradigm of coping with labor to welcome it from a position of resource so this is where we're learning and and I guess that's where I kind of have to begin to weave in the autonomic nervous system and the understanding between our fight and flight response and our rest and digest. And often we're walking around like we've pressed a car alarm. So we're in that fight and flight response and we've got everything to stimulate that response from, you know, being overly contactable and replying to emails 24-7 to then being cut off in traffic. And so that system's being activated all the time and that adrenaline and cortisol is really flooding, flooding our chemistry. So we're wanting to actually be able to retrain our body and our mind to be able to sit in that space of that healing space, that parasympathetic, that rest and digest. And that's really important, not just for birth or labor and birth, but for everyday living. So yeah, that would be, you know, a big part of it. But then there's visualization. It is kind of like a meditative state in the respective, I suppose it's what I need to clarify around hypnosis is that it is somewhat of a meditative state. Beautiful. Um, but when I say a meditative state, anyone can do it. Like you don't need to be some Zen master that's sitting on a mountain, you know, saying a mantra or chanting. It's it's literally just for anyone and anyone can do it. So there's such power in it. What is the difference then between hypnotherapy and meditation, like a guided meditation? Like how do they then differ? Yes. We've spoken about how perhaps there's some crossover and what I'm hearing you say, it's like almost like the situation is what it is and through meditation or hypnobirthing or, or mm. therapy in general, it's a way to kind of accept the situation but respond perhaps differently than our chemistry wants us mm. to. Would that be accurate? Yeah, so hypnosis is, it's a really relaxing state. We all access this state every single day. In fact, we wake up in it and we go to sleep in it. 
which is really, there's so much power in that. And that's because of brainwave levels, which I'll brief on in a moment. But we're bypassing the conscious critical thinking mind. And you can think of this like an iceberg. If you were to kind of imagine an iceberg and that little bit of ice on the top of the water, that's your conscious mind. And that runs about 10% of everything. So it's a very minute amount. It's critical thinking, it's decision-making, it's analytical, it's um, logical and it's willpower. But then something underneath, then you've, you've got the subconscious mind, which is that big piece of ice that you can't see, which is underneath the surface. Driving everything. Some, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And sometimes that willpower can lose out to that power of that subconscious mind. So, you know, consciously in life, we want to feel footloose and fancy free, but there's something underneath the surface that's actually getting in the way. So our subconscious mind is responsible for say 90, 95% of the show. It's running like pretty much everything. It's metaphorical or it speaks in metaphors. It's imaginative, it's creative, it's intuition, it's our beliefs, all of our habits. It's any trauma. It's all of our emotions. Um, and it's also not older than seven years old. So it's actually childlike. So this is the power of hypnosis where we create this childlike play um, when we're when we're journeying through hypnosis as well. So it's kind of like if you think of hypnosis as um, a submarine going underneath the water with a zoom lens camera and we're really zooming in on any kind of limiting beliefs or perhaps things that have happened in your life um, mm -hmm. to then be able to create fresh perspectives or to be able to actually release any kind of tension or anxieties around certain perhaps traumas or situations that have happened. Can I give a real life example of me and how that might, mm. what what we would kind of do? Is that okay? You comfortable? Yeah, yeah, sure. So I guess like I have some pretty limiting beliefs, which have been aha moments for me of um, having these really big lofty dreams. And I think at its core, not actually feeling deserving or worthy of them. I sit a lot in my masculine energy, um, which I'm sure you perhaps are familiar with less in my feminine energy. So I'm strangling things. I don't truly believe that I'm desert that all the good I'm putting out will come back for me. I have some like self-abandonment issues, which make trusting that the good I'm doing will return. And probably mm -hmm. from childhood trauma of abandonment or not feeling loved or whatever, I can't kind of seem to, I, I objectively and logically understand that barrier, mm. but have not right. yet been able to kind of reroute that thinking without my negative self-talk kind of eye roll, you know, at the proposed different narrative that I am worthy of love, I am worthy of success, you know, all of those sort of things. How would kind of working with you um, and, and doing this kind of therapy, what would that look like if you don't mind me using your time yeah. as selfishly yeah. as possible? I just think it's a lot of um, my listeners really relate to, you know, a lot of my listeners are really go-getter-driven people who kind mm. of end up in a, in a, or perfectionism or people-pleasers who sure. end up kind of like uh, feeling like we're trying to bust down a door that's shut from us rather than perhaps looking at life more subjectively and looking at the doors that happen to be open. You know, just that kind of frustration, I feel like, is really prevalent in, in the group of people that listen to this podcast. 
totally. Yeah. You can work with. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I think you know those, um, you know, perfectionism and things like that are really common, definitely. And I think they often kind of can esteem from childhood as well. And I really relate to what you're saying. Very yeah, good, so. great. <laughs> well, not great. Sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry for you. Right, good, 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 good. <laughs> in the trenches together. Yeah. Yeah, we're in the trenches together. Um, so there would be a few different ways in terms of how I would approach it. And the first thing is that I would start to begin to perhaps look at internal dialogue. So there's different tools that I would use. There's a CBT tool, which stands for cognitive behavior therapy, which you may be very um, well versed in. Yeah. So um, sometimes that allows us to get a lot of information out um, to find what the activating event is. So if there's like a common theme and then moving to what those emotions are that play out and those consequential behaviors, and then that turns into say those thought patterns and those beliefs and really having a good understanding of that and simply even asking the question, what is the opposite? Like, what is the opposite of the belief that you're telling yourself? Because sometimes we don't consider that. Sometimes we are perhaps looping and say, say something like, you know, I'm not worthy of this success or X, Y, Z. But have we ever said to ourselves that we are? And although we may reject that belief because we don't believe it yet, perhaps, it's, it's even planting that seed to then begin looking for it. So... That can kind of be a little bit of a beginning, um, but then it's also my chest, about... My chest just felt lighter at that possibility. <laughs> I had a physical reaction to that thought of like, yeah, that would be nice. That would be nice. Yeah, yeah, right. So it's like imagine what that would be like and what it would feel like, what you would see, what you would hear. And as soon as we start to actually tap into the feeling, the seeing, the hearing... That's, we're utilizing that trance state, that hypnosis. And we probably start to notice a difference in our respiration. Maybe our breathing changes, right? Um, and there would also be perhaps, you know, sometimes I'll approach things with, say, a regression session. So I do quite a bit of a regression work where we're perhaps going back to the root cause of what happened. And then we're actually being able to, say, look at it from like a bird's eye view and pick up any learnings and lessons and how this can actually positively help us in our future. So we're still reframing the beliefs and putting new beliefs in and new suggestions because it's very much what hypnosis is about as well as like positive suggestion work when you're in a deeper relaxed state because when you're relaxed, you begin to actually take that in because your subconscious is open and receptive to actually receiving that information. Whereas when we're in these states of kind of like alertness and running from one thing to another and really busy, we're rejecting it because it's our conscious mind that's like, nah. Yeah. And how, how long does that work kind of take? And have you experienced like great success and in, in thriving individuals through your, I mean, I imagine you would have, or you probably wouldn't stick at it for so long. I'm sure that there's yeah. a great ego bump for you too, when you like are able to help someone work through that. For sure. I mean, I guess my own, my own story in the respect of, um, I, you know, was able to reframe the way that I viewed birth and what I thought about it and went from being terrified, like I mean petrified, to being so excited, so confident and so empowered within six weeks. And this is somebody or myself who was a high functioning anxious person 
So I had a lot of a lot of anxiety, a lot of kind of past trauma, all of that kind of thing. I really relate to what you're saying as well. So yeah, it can it can take anywhere. I mean, you could take between three to 12 sessions. This is just guesswork, but you know, I've worked with people, say for IBS, for example, that's hugely linked to anxiety, and the IBS has just disappeared. Or, you know, fertility clients, it's amazing. Like I'll work with somebody who is really struggling to get pregnant and then bang, like within six weeks, they're, they're pregnant. So yeah, it's um, pretty fascinating. It's pretty yeah. cool. And it's it all comes down to, yeah, we can, I guess we can be, um, there's a quote about being like kind of our greatest, you know, our mind can either be kind of that worst enemy or greatest ally. And it's beginning to actually become really aware of those internal thought patterns and asking ourselves whether it's true. Like, is this actually true for me? Or like, where have I learned this? Or being curious and observing, sitting in more of an observation space. I do a lot of um, kind of imagining you're in a play. So to do a lot of that when I was younger. And so you're imagining you're in a play as a character and then you're watching yourself like play out that role and is it being is it resourceful for you or is it kind of creating a hindrance and if it's creating a hindrance it's like okay cool let's do something about this that's positive to put us in the right direction or the direction we're calling forth to that higher ground when you say you sort of specialize in um anxiety and stress related is that just uh an observation of society currently or or is it that um yeah, you've just found more of a kind of geeking out and it, finding that pathway. Yeah, or it's a great people question. People are coming with kind of adrenal fatigue because I know that, you know, like myself, a lot of people who listen to this are mm. prone to burnout, um, maybe yeah. high-functioning depressives like myself that that need to keep busy because sitting in stillness and even this idea, I feel like a sweaty palm coming on of this idea of getting to that relaxed state. I think in stillness, my depression has avoided a lot of stillness because of the things that would come up and my fight or flight response paired with anxiety is kind of just avoided baths, avoided time alone, avoided that, which is ironically the medicine I need to kind of let it come and deal with it. But um, yeah, he, I think, um, yeah, that adrenal fatigue and sort of burnout mm. is really common I notice in my own. 100%. Well. Yeah. Definitely. And, you know, I guess the reason I work in this environment or the stress and anxiety environment predominantly is because of my own health journey. You know, I was in and out of hospital a lot as a, you know, younger person or um, in my early 20s, late teens. And yeah, that was, I thought it was kind of the jobs and everything I was in. But it was more or less that I was under just this immense stress. And it's interesting because I had a lot of stomach issues and gut issues, like horrific on the ground, kind of screaming and crying and hospitalized and whatnot. But what's really quite just an amazing kind of um, uh, light bulb moment was I worked in banking and I went back to the bank probably about... Oh, it must have been over a year ago now and I was with my daughter and I was with my husband and we're having like a great time like having a look around in the mall and whatnot and then 
had to go and get a new card. And the next thing I was like, oh my God, my, like my whole body started to just like go into this like shock almost. And it was like, I was in horrific pain. And I said to my husband, we've got to go home. Like I, I, I've got to go home. And it was like in that moment to be like, wow, mind body connection, bang, my body didn't forget what that was like. So that's, I guess, you know, why I do the work that I do is because I believe wholeheartedly that, you know, our emotional experiences and um, our stresses really do have that role on impact into those physical and, you know, conditions that we can have. So, um, and it, when you say in terms of, you know, feeling that kind of discomfort around relaxing, you know, I 100% empathize and understand because I remember like lying in Shavasana once, like, which is like a yoga pose where you just lie there. I'm like, what? why am I doing this? Like I could be doing a million things with my time right now. I could be making dinner. I could be like going for a walk. Like, why am I lying here? And I guess the big thing to say is, as it gets easier is that that discomfort we, we can't grow in comfort, we grow in discomfort. So it's so powerful to just sit in that space and honor it and be like, okay, I feel uncomfortable right now. I know that I feel uncomfortable, but this is actually positive because I'm pushing through new kind of into, you know, new places of learning and lessons. Mm. So, um, and sometimes the work that I do isn't always this long relaxing process. I use um, neuro-linguistic programming and that's really fast and really snappy. And it's quite amazing. Like it can be. Is that the tapping or no? Is it different? No, I do that as well. Yeah. Okay. What's but, um, neuro-linguistic? So neuro-linguistic programming is that we're using, so neuro being um, the nervous system and being the brain. Um, linguistic, we're using language. And then programming is all of our programs. So all of our conditioning from way, 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 way back. Mm. And whether those beliefs are actually serving us any longer or whether they were ours to begin with. Sometimes the beliefs that we've taken on aren't even ours anyway. They're somebody else's, right? So it's about being able to um, utilize different processes to then upgrade. It's like upgrading software, really. Right. Yeah. That. Um, yeah. Oh, this is so, I'm so jazzed. I really would love to work on this and do this with you. It's, um, yeah, it's a cool way of thinking about it. I think the stress and it's that ability to relax. I had a few things that I kind of wanted to to speak to you about. And yeah, just a real fear of that. It's, you know, it's affected my relationships that I've had. I've, you know, in terms of like romantic relationships, because I'm an active relaxer and like it's, I cause other people stress and anxiety because when they're trying to relax, I've got like this like <laughs> must do, must achieve. And I do feel immense guilt when I do, when I'm not mm. putting on output, I put all my validation on achievement. So I find it really difficult to relax. I don't know if you have any like tips for mm. anyone who's going through that, that they could apply sort of today if they're not in a position to do this work with you. Is there any thing that you recommend doing to help people get more comfortable in that space of calmness? Totally. I mean, the first thing is, is having that awareness of where we are. So I think one of the big things is accepting where we are as well, because that we can immediately drop that kind of feeling of guilt when we accept like, okay, here is the deal. This is what I'm experiencing 
this is the emotions that are coming up because, you know, I'm wanting to achieve and I'm wanting to get things done. And, and often working with people, I would work with that rather than against it. Like, let's do something positive with it. Um, in terms of what somebody can do right now, I guess, A, yeah, it is being able to actually, like, honour and accept it. Um, it's probably tricky to give specific tips, but becoming really aware of your internal dialogue, becoming, you know, there's four different levels of awareness and there's, it's kind of like learning to drive a car. So if we start to really become aware of those thought patterns of what we're saying to ourselves, it yeah. gives us also power to be able to start changing them and asking ourselves whether whether, you know, like I said before, is it is that the truth of what I'm saying to myself or would something else be more resourceful or more positive here? Um, and then writing that down, beginning to actually write, like keep a journal of that type of information so that you can have the ability to be able to switch those beliefs around or switch those thoughts around. Um, is that long-term impactful? Um, I think often when we're working with the conscious mind, not necessarily we have to be working with that subconscious mind so often working with people I would teach them self-hypnosis which is a really kind of straightforward process um it's not you know it can take 10 minutes any recordings that I do for people I don't like to necessarily do these long recordings because a lot of people don't have the time so yeah. what can we do in just a few minutes and that's um you know, three to five minutes, even the heart-brain connection is pretty, pretty powerful, right? Um, to shift our state, like to shift out of kind of those rush modes. Um, yeah, I mean, I could, I could even take you through that. Really, at the moment, we could do, we could do that. Yeah, at the do, you want, do you want to? Should we do it? Is it do you okay. have that? Yeah, I'd love <laughs> to. Oh God. Perfect. Thank you. Okay, cool. Everyone, everyone listening will be like, yes, my God, do it. Yeah. <laughs> Keep in mind, if you are listening to this and you are driving. Yeah. Don't <laughs> do anything when you're driving. I always, always put that at the start of my recordings now, like make sure that you're in a comfortable place. Yeah, um, you're but what this is, this is really lovely because literally it can just take one minute to be able to actually change our state. Right. Um, uh, in terms of perhaps, you know, the, what you were talking about with high achieving and perfectionism. Um, Do you relate to that or am I missing? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Oh, no, I don't know. Like, okay, I feel like we're vibing, but I just wanted to also like, you're also <laughs> very empathetic, so I also don't want to ask you. Are we vibing? Yeah. Oh, 100%. Yeah, definitely. Um, and I think awareness has been a massive key for me and then being able to actually a, accept so then I don't feel guilty um, and be able to actually honor and pull back but it, it, it takes it's a skill set it's like you're learning you're learning to ride a bike again but in a different way yeah yeah, yeah cause it's hard because I, I have obviously ego I mean I'm an actor and I love performing yeah. and a lot of my identity is that I like being of service to others and I like being yeah. these things that my high achieving and overachieving allow of me and so there's also a bit of resistance of like why would I change that? Like, I'm, you know, I'm doing great. So it's the real paradigm. Yes. At, at the expense, though, of making myself ill, gut issues, digestive issues, hives, mm. like um, hair fall, like a lot of very mm -hmm. physical symptoms because of being at that, like, 
heightened mm-hmm. state and the heartbreak attached to like not wanting to change that because I know my drive is also like I'm, I am chasing dreams. So it just becomes this real like confusing soup of like how do I have maximum output in a way that is not so unhealthy and that I can accept as doing enough because I'm not where I want to be in my career. I have this huge guilt that any moment not spent driving towards it is a moment mm. wasted and therefore the depression brain comes in and it's like, well, if I don't get the job or the audition or the whatever, it's because of that time that I was lax a days. You know, it's like this self really like mm. toxic um soup really is the best way to describe it and it's a little yeah yeah it's a little much do you ever take moments out where you reflect on all of your wins and all of your success to where you are now do you ever have kind of that look and that rear vision and think wow like that's amazing I've you know done all these incredible things throughout my life I have beautiful, amazing, delightful friends around me who will remind me of that, but I don't genuinely feel that connection to that being good or done, like tick the button. Does that, like, I don't feel, um, I mean, subjectively I can zoom out and go like, oh, yeah, if you had asked me at 15 that I would be in L.A., then I can, I yes, I can understand and go like, oh, that would be cool, but more consuming than that is that I'm not, I haven't yet got to a place. And I do know that that benchmark keeps changing. So it's, a, it's right. a, never gonna, I'm never going to feel that way. Um, yeah. yeah. And, that, and, and that could be, like I say, that subconscious program that's running. And mm. so it's about being going in with that submarine that goes under the water to look at what that program is, mm. what's kind of fueling it, and to give it fresh perspective. Um, you know, sometimes that takes inner child work as well that we kind of bring in like, you know, adult Kim to talk to little Kim and, um, yeah, be able to. Kind I don't of, know if she'd be the great voice. <laughs> no, but to get, no, it's, it's, yeah. it's a powerful work. Like it's, you know, being able to give that kind of loving compassion um, and that kind of fresh perspective to certain circumstances that perhaps have played out. Um, you know, I, I guess I really relate to what you're saying in terms of that high achiever and wanting to, you know, more, 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 more. Um, but often we find that it's a subconscious program that's running and it's about being able to give that fresh perspective. Yeah. 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 I do feel like the program is if you achieve everything, do everything, be everything, you will be good enough not to leave is really, I think what the sentence is. Which is from a abandonment trauma. Um, yeah, it's just, and it's a super common one that I'd work with. Like in terms yeah. of abandonment wounds, they're so prevalent, so so prevalent. And you know, they, I mean, it's even even in terms of when we were born. Like you know, I was eighty nine, you're ninety, but it's like you were kind of, you know. Um, not you might have been put in another room like Mm -hmm. uh when you were first born so there's all of these like tiny little abandonment wounds anyway rather than even just somebody walking out like a parent walking out or something you know that's more traumatic or significant um yeah and and I I also can like a like one of my trauma wounds is that like I used to always fall asleep in the car and I would wake up and the car's in the garage everyone's like they've left the door open like it isn't that I've been abandoned it's that but the waking up, not having anyone around, like 
because my nanny used to leave me sleeping in the car because I wouldn't sleep well at nighttime. And so it was like from an adult POV, like I was perfectly safe. They were checking on me, but my memories are that I've waking up, no one's around, you're alone, crying, you know, like and it being a trauma of like this left behind thing. It's just, so as an adult, I know that wasn't the narrative, but I at the time I didn't like <laughs> totally and and the thing is is with the subconscious if there's a gap we'll fill it with information mm-hmm. so whether it's the truth or not the truth we'll fill it with whatever we think is truth so it's like oh my gosh I was left in this car like you know no one loves me or you know everyone's like leaving me out or whatever it might be forgotten about and, yeah and that's like about me. many and take that through our entire life and and often I find it's in our late 20s when it really starts to rev up and that's when it comes to the surface so it's about being able to go back into that memory so with hypnosis we go back into a memory to then be able to actually heal the memory so be able to actually give it some compassion some love take learnings out of it and you can even think that a learning and it and something that's amazing is that what well, has allowed you to be this amazing, driven, successful, incredible young woman, right? Mm-hmm. Um, obviously not, you don't want that to your detriment, but there's all these amazing things at the same time. So um, we just want to be able to do it from a place that actually feels good rather than a place of resistance. Yeah. And I would say to people that resistance is a call to action. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, take me through this. <laughs> okay, so this is forever. I'll talk at you forever. So otherwise, yes, go, go, go. Okay, so this is just um, for us to basically be able to kind of um, consider an event that you've got at the moment that maybe's caused a stressor or something like that. I'm sure that there's something, given the fact that we've been chatting, there'll be something there right now. <laughs> got it. Yeah. Um, yeah, got it. And we're just going to. I'll, I'll just take you through this exercise. It will take us like one to three minutes. So. The first thing I'll get you to do is I'm going to get you just to close your eyes down. And all the listeners back at home can also do this as well. Unless they're driving. Yeah, unless you're driving. Don't do this if you're driving, yeah. Cool, okay. So just closing the eyes down. And I want you just to start to become aware of the same stressful feeling in your body or maybe your mind's racing. So just becoming aware of it, observing it and being curious to it. There's no need to judge it. And I want you just to begin by just actually putting your hand over your heart. And as you put your hand over your heart, I want you just to focus into this area. And just focusing in on the heart. And I want you to take at least three slow breaths in and out of your nose. And as you do this, I want you to breathe in and out of the heart space and just maintaining your focus on the feeling of your hand in the center of your chest. That's it. Just continue doing that. And now what I want you to do is I want you to recall a time when you felt really, really good. A time you felt love or joy, and I can see that's already happening, maybe even hilarious. Mm -hmm. Just real happiness or joy. And I want you to return to that memory. And as you return to that memory, I want you to see what you saw. I want you to hear what you heard. And I want you to feel how good that felt. That's it. And as you feel this feeling in your body, I want you just to imagine 
because I know that you've got a wonderful imagination. I want you to imagine your heart speaking to you. And I want you to ask your heart, how could you take better care of yourself in this moment or in this situation? And then just listen to what your heart says. Once you've just got some message from your heart, some insight or clarity, you can just open your eyes and come back to the space. Cool. Yeah. So it's just, we're not obviously dropping into this, you know, going really deep, but believe it or not, you're in a trance in that moment. And because you do acting as well, the trance is just it's easy to access because you're having to step into other characters all the time so you've got to imagine yourself as something else okay yeah yeah um oh beautiful that's so good yeah it is interesting it's uh and I'll ask it to you but I I often ask people on this podcast what their brain looks like and my version is this kind of frizzy haired woman staring to camera surrounded by bulging filing cabinets so not even in 2023 obviously and they're bulging and it's like you've asked her to get something and she knows she's got it but just the stress of finding it and I think it's Mm. sort of almost this metaphor of like I know that I'm smart and I possess everything to and within me and the lessons to like pursue this life with great ease but I'm just so flustered all the time that I doubt I have all this doubt that I even do know or yeah it's just this judgment or I can't find it but it's interesting doing that exercise because obviously I was asking something specific but I do know really the answer to everything I've just got all these layers over top of it that are yeah that can kind of create a bit of fog right and Mm. an important or Um, Another thing, going back to your question earlier, is mental rehearsal and visualization can be powerful ways to be able to actually change our way we're moving forward. So if we have a situation that plays out, say you have had that kind of perfectionist thing that's come up or you've responded in a way that you're like, oh, I wish that, you know, I didn't have to react that way in terms of, you know, perfectionism or whatever it would be. And then be able to take a moment out to close your eyes down, connect into that and just, you know, honor it and know that that was what happened, but then change what happened. So change in your mind's eye what happened. Mentally rehearse it differently. Mentally rehearse it the way you would like it to go the next time. So it's kind of like even, you know, some people struggle with receiving compliments and, you know, compliments are like a gift, right? So instead of, you know, being like, oh, no, no, like, do I really look that good? Oh, no. It's like being able to actually kind of close our eyes and then imagine ourselves receiving that and doing it differently, mentally rehearsing it differently and visualizing it in a more powerful and positive way to bring about change. Mm. Yeah. And doing that in the morning when you wake up, first thing in the morning, And when you go to bed at night, because you're in a state of theta, which is the brainwave state that is um, hypnosis, it's imagery, it's intuitive, it's Mm. um, very relaxing. And so it's the best time to start implementing positive change. Can I question that? Just because I find mornings are great, nighttime, not a good time mentally for Miss Crossman. I actually find that, yeah, morning I would be like so hopeful 
evenings are not great. Is there any science in that maybe that you're aware of? Like I, I don't almost trust myself in the evening in terms of like I wouldn't trust myself to respond to a message or conflict. Or, like I do feel that I'm at a stage of fatigue or... Mm-hmm. Yeah, that negative self-talk is much more prevalent in the evening. Is there something I could do to counteract that or have you encountered that before? Am I unique? (laughs) We're all unique. Um, But when you go to bed at night, (laughs) when you go to bed at night, is your your mind racing? Very much so. I I now medicate with melatonin just to kind of like, which is a natural thing, but... um, I usually will exhaust myself to the during the day to kind of be able to go straight to sleep, but then I, I wake up a lot in the evenings and, yeah, just with thoughts, with everything. Um, I do feel very hopeful in the morning. I feel like, yeah, I kind of like peak early and then really kind of then it's almost a post-afternoon, sun goes down, Kim goes down sort of thing. Like, yeah. Um, what can happen? And, you know, I, I mean, I... This is generalized. I'm not saying that this is for everyone, but um, what can happen is that when we wake up in the morning, and like I say, it can be a great time to do that mental rehearsal, but then sometimes it's like we begin looking for that anxiousness or looking for that way that we were the day before because we've become accustomed to the familiar and humans don't really like change in terms of our our state of being. It becomes, we like the familiar, we crave that, that familiar comfort, even though consciously we know it's not serving us but we keep looking for it. So it's like we wake up and then suddenly it's like, oh, there's that anxiety. Awesome. Mm -hmm. There you are. Great. Got you back. And you're going to help drive my day because you've been purposeful in some way. So, you know, it's a strategy. It's like, it's actually been, it's worked as a positive, but then obviously it's creating that fatigue and that roll-on effect for later. So then later you're feeling, you know, exhausted when that self-negative talk comes up. And the thing is, is that our thoughts in terms of the chemistry, it gets stronger and stronger. So we have anywhere between 6,000 to 60,000 thoughts a day. I know that's really vast, but the research suggests like anywhere between that bracket. Um, But 80% of them are repeating thoughts from the day before and the day before and the day before. So they become like our way of being. And so it's almost like we get stuck in that cycle where that's, familiar, comfortable, even though it's not serving us. So that's where really using things like hypnosis or the work that I do helps to shift people out of those states. And I mean, I've worked with people that have been highly anxious as in shaking in a corner, kind of like distressed as anything. And they've been able to shift themselves within three sessions. And it's amazing to, you know, watch that. So I think how, like in terms of something purposeful for you is to be doing that mental rehearsal in the morning when you're feeling that high hope, like work mm-hmm. with that. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. Work with it to be able to, you know, see yourself kind of perhaps the situation from the day before that didn't go the way that, um, you know, that was that old pattern coming up. Mm-hmm. See yourself, feel yourself and hear yourself doing it differently because mm-hmm. then your brain will start looking for that. It starts to become possible. Mm-hmm. It takes work and it takes focus, much like learning to drive a manual vehicle, for instance. You've got to really focus on the gear change and everything. 
but eventually it's outsourced to the subconscious and you're flicking through the gears, you've got the music cranked up, the window down, your mate yarning, and you're feeling, you know, but loose and fancy free, hopefully. It's not how I drive a manual car, but yes, <laughs> I'm not there yet with manual, but that's because we didn't have one. Um, but yes, I even just driving in general, yeah, it went from yeah. all-consuming to, um, uh, so sorry, two questions and then I'll have and leave you. Um, uh, I, I want to talk to about addiction because I wondered if, if this oh, sure. is something... Um, someone I know had gone through a form of therapy around uh, quitting smoking. And I wondered if mm. you had any experience um, for people with addiction, whether it be alcoholism more so or low tier perhaps in that realm as like a sugar addiction and stuff. Is that something that you also have found success with hyp- um, hypnotic therapy? Probably. Okay. Yeah, definitely. So smoking is probably what hypnotherapy is kind of known for. Mm. It's um, a lot of people, that's their initial thing to be like, oh, I went to a hypnotherapist for smoking and it was amazing. Mm. Um, so it can work really effectively for smoking, provided you want to give up. Yep. Um, and then I've started to actually work with quite a number of people in terms of alcohol. I wouldn't say necessarily addiction. It's more just the fact I've become aware of like, um, yeah, more aware of what alcohol does to our bodies and then they're wanting to perhaps take a different route so or route, sorry. So um, I actually did a course. It was like a four-week course and it was called Off the Piss. I love <laughs> it. Perfect. Great branding. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it was to start examining like our our behaviours um, around it. I, I actually explored my own behaviours last year because um, I took like five and a half months away from alcohol just to kind of be curious and approach it in a way of being like, oh, you know, this is interesting. I always feel at home when I walk into like our local pub, but I grew up in a pub. So, um, you know, there's there's always kind of reasons to why we might do the behaviours we do. And people aren't their behaviours, right? They, they really aren't. It's a set of programs that perhaps are sending them in that unresourceful spiral. So... Yeah, it's definitely something I work with. Interesting. And then I guess, what does your brain look like? I kind of gave you a little bit of insight to mine. Oh. You can take that however you want to explain. Uh, yeah, what does it look like up there? I guess the the big thing is, is that, you know, I'm human like anyone else and I wear my heart on my sleeve in the respect of being really open and honest. And, you know, I've done so much, so much positive work on myself and I see myself to be kind of somewhat, I guess, reinvented, which Mm. is really great. And I'm way more aware of my thought cycles and things, but I do get pulled back into perhaps, um, especially that high achievement and that perfectionism that runs into burnout. So um, I am really just mindful of my body and how my body's responding. If I start to get that hypervigilance and that kind of like shallow breathing, I know something needs to change and I know I need to voice it and say, I need to rest right now and know that rest is productive. So sometimes on days it can be a little bit scrambly, but um, provided I'm doing, utilizing, you know, preaching what I practice, using the tools that I teach, mm-hmm. um, I'm usually pretty, pretty grounded, but um, definitely went through a bit of a bit of that spiral recently, which I really relate to what you're saying. And actually I've just let myself switch off for the whole weekend, which was lovely and doing something that we find joy in I did a heap of cooking in the weekend so you know finding something that brings us joy in those moments where perhaps we are 
presented with those repeating patterns. Mm, beautiful. Mm. Um, and where can people find you and how can they work with you? Do you offer working remotely as well? I know you're Christchurch-based. Uh, yeah, how can people find you? So um, Instagram's probably the best place, um, which is B, B-E underscore hypnotherapy. And then um, my website, www.behypnotherapy.co.nz. Um, and yeah, I work with people remotely. So I have a few clients that I work with in Australia. Um, had people contact me from the States as well, more so around fertility. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I work remotely online as well as in person. Yeah, so it's just as as effective either way. Um, on on that, because I just did have sorry, we'll let you go in a second. The question around fertility is it is it that people are actually is it possible? This may be so ignorant as someone who's not done this journey. Is it possible and scientific that you can actually be presenting and blocking yourself based on sort of different thought patterns and and that is that kind of what the idea would be that. Yes, it can be for sure. I mean, I work in conjunction with other care providers and I think they are how holistically has to be that multifaceted approach with, um, you know, you might have your your doctor and you might have your hypnotherapist and your naturopath or whatever. Um, But with fertility, um, I'll do it over a six-week period and, yeah, we do really dive into limiting belief patterns, what we're internally saying to ourselves, but also reframing a lot of the medical use of words. Like um, there's some words that perhaps don't support us. The first word is infertility, is that often we hear that rather than fertility. And sure, there are many people that perhaps are in that boat of experiencing just, you know, that that is more about they might come to me for resolve so just resolving the fact that they perhaps can't conceive Um, but for a lot of people they're actually just on a fertility journey so let's start to change flip that language so we start to actually respond to it in our bodies Mm. with a more from a more positive point of view I mean even the word pain we're hyper vigilant to that word pain that we actually release cortisol and um, adrenaline into our bloodstream so we've got to be so mindful of the language and the words we're using they're like spells right mm-hmm. yeah. yeah so it's a it's a it's kind of based on connecting reframing clarifying um clarifying engaging enhancing and resolving yeah. so yes yeah, it's, it's over six weeks but it's intensive but it's amazing and beautiful at the same time yeah cool oh well I'm sorry, I've taken so much of your time, but I love you, Rebel. Thank you so much for such a great chat today. And yeah, I'd love to have you on again and maybe like check in in sort of six months or something like that. Or um, obviously I'll message you to the side because it'd be really cool to work together. I'd be really curious about doing some of this work with you too. But um, thank you for your time and thank you for the work you're doing. It's been a real joy. Oh, thank you so much, Kim. I'm honestly so grateful to, yeah, it's been a pleasure. Thank you. 